project at the Wildlife Trust of India. She is also the co-author of the 2017 Rights of Passage report, uh, which is one of the leading publications regarding elephant corridors in India. Welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, what got you interested in conservation? Um, so, you know, when we are in school or in college, we hardly understand what conservation is. I mean, the reason many of us come have come to this field is because our sheer love for animals, wildlife and nature. And uh, I mean, it was the same with me. I always was fascinated with wildlife sciences, animal ecology when we were studying and um, didn't really understand uh, the bigger complicated idea of conservation that time. So, yeah, I mean, the, the reason why I came to this field also is precisely because I wanted to do something with uh, animals and um, you know, uh, got, get an opportunity to travel to wilderness where not many people have the privilege to do. So I started with that uh, interest. And over the course uh, of time, uh, I understood that conservation is much more complicated than we think it is because it's, it's a subject where uh, the species we are dealing with is continuously evolving uh, with the changing contexts uh, or the uh, threats which are um, affecting them on a daily basis. The people are evolving, the governments are evolving, uh, their agenda, their mandate, everything is evolving. There are new challenges every day. So it's a very evolving uh, I don't think I completely understand conservation fully yet. Uh, it's a le new learning every day. Um, but yeah, and specifically, if I would talk ab talk about elephants, um, which I have been working on for quite some time, almost a decade now, I've always been fascinated with elephants, their behavior, their role general in the ecosystem, and just the way their societies function. So, but it's only when I started more um, hands on in this particular aspect that I began to understand the challenges with are associated with elephants and other wildlife in India. So so what just started as sheer love and admiration for an animal soon became more about wanting to do something to try and protect them. You were the co-author of the Rights of Passage report published in 2017 by the Wildlife Trust of India. What was this report about and how did it come into being? So, you know, when uh, this whole uh, project, the Rite of Passage project in WTI began, uh, it was in the early 2000s. Uh, at that time, there were hardly any uh, information or knowledge about what corridors are. Now, everyone talks about wildlife corridors, but back then, uh, it, it was a very new thing for people. people. Many people didn't really understand what corridors are, why they are important. So, I mean, with that, you know, the whole idea was that there is an important aspect of connectivity which is required for landscape management of large-ranging um, animals like elephants. So, with that thought, we actually embarked on that project. We collaborated with uh, the Project Elephant Wing of the Ministry, where they had identified um, around 88 uh, elephant corridors across the country. They had a list already. 
so the wti team collaborated with them we actually uh, started a field based project to visit each of those 88 uh, corridors and actually draw a plan for each of them what are the threats which are present what are the recommendations which are which could be there to uh, uh, facilitate elephants to pass through those corridors and thus we came out with the first edition of the right of passage publication in 2005 that was in 2005 and since then of course we've worked on many aspects of how to protect those corridors how to secure passage to those corridors and then almost a, a decade later that is between 2013 to 15 we realized there's a need uh, for this pan india survey again because 10 years had gone by a lot of things may have changed uh, we wanted to know what's the situation 10 years later so that's when the survey for this 2017 report began between 2013 to 15 where each of those previously identified uh, corridors were revisited of course and there were some new uh, areas also where there were potential corridors being uh, suggested so we went our team went to that uh, those areas also and this had a whole team of researchers government officials forest department officials and uh, we partnered with some local ngos also and then um we uh, saw that okay we found that there are the number of corridors had increased from 88 it had become 101 now some people uh, you know when we see they, they say oh wow that's a good thing right but that's not actually a good thing because more corridors being formed means uh, more habitats have uh, become fragmented so um that means more fragmented habitat so they have to be more and more smaller passages connecting what was once a larger habitat and that's when this uh, whole um, uh, survey culminated into this publication in 2017 where we found out 101 corridors but the uh, one of the most shocking revelation was of the 88 previously identified seven of them had gotten completely impaired uh that means it was no longer being used by elephants so there was some industrial development or some linear infrastructure issues or some other hindrances which had come those uh, seven corridors which had completely blocked uh, passage of elephants so and and with much better technology and more idea uh, we had a uh, we had a more um, evolved and comprehensive recommendation plan also in the 2017 publication we are also in the process of now revisiting some of these corridors because six years have again passed by since then um and we hope to come out with an updated uh, edition soon yeah so why is have you mentioned habitat fragmentation so what exactly is habitat fragmentation and how is it different from habitat loss and why is it a problem for megafauna like elephants and tigers well um you know as we as we all know the population we have in our country has grown exponentially in the past several decades so people's demands for resources have also increased people have been whether um uh what do i say intentionally or unintentionally have been pushing wildlife into smaller and smaller packets pockets now at the essence this demand which people have this means more requirement for land to land for agriculture for linear infrastructure like highways railways um dams mines housing and this demand has now further 
led to degradation and fragmentation of the forest cover, especially in the habitats uh, of these elephants. And also, you know, in, in, in the past also, wherever the habitats of humans and elephants have overlapped, they have clashed over space and resources. But the biggest challenge now is the economic growth. And the conflict is also at an all-time high. Uh, we still have a lot of tolerance in India um, as with respect to the human-wildlife conflict. But still, that's kind of fraying now. Um, and seemingly harmless activities like collecting firewood or grazing cattle in forests, they take a slow but serious toll, you know. And many of these um, people, communities, uh, still depend on these elephant habitats for their livelihood. And um, on the contrary, large areas of habitats are also being settled in contravention of government land use and development plans um, with sometimes um, encouragement of political vested interests. So everywhere elephants are progressively forced, being forced to come into closer and closer contact with humans. Now, uh, be it for elephants or tigers, um, uh, especially in case of elephants, uh, they need vast areas to roam, to sustain themselves. They need more food, they need more resources, they need more water with changing seasons. So if the forest habitats are degraded, then an elephant herd has to move farther to um, search for food and water. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is something which is very um, crucial because elephants are uh, not able to move between these larger habitats uh, which these corridors facilitate, then that would mean uh, a kind of devastating effect on their overall survival and well-being. And the same is for tigers. So why should we care about what happens to elephants and their rites of passage? So, rite of passage is, of course, important because, uh, as I said, they have to keep moving. The whole concept of corridors, not just for elephants, but for any wildlife, is that essentially wildlife corridors are, um, you know, crucial habitat linkages which link to bigger habitats. So, they have to keep moving uh, to sustain themselves. And why we should care about oh, elephants is because they are a very important species in our ecosystem. As we all know uh, what keystone species are, elephants are one of the keystone species. And um, their behavior, just the way they are, the way their society functions, uh, is immensely important to the environment. We call them landscape engineers, landscape architects, because they create forests uh, when they move, their herds move. Through the forest, they create clearings, which uh, are actually passages for other wildlife also. Many of the elephant corridors we have identified are uh, tiger corridors, as well as provide passages for other wildlife as well. And uh, this also, this clearings they do, they also allow uh, regeneration of certain plant species, which is very important for uh, prey species, the other herbivorous animals. They're excellent seed dispersers. Um, wherever they defecate, you know, the plants, fruits, and seeds they uh, eat, uh, wherever they defecate, this helps the seeds to get dispersed from one place to another, which, of course, uh, benefits the overall biodiversity. And um, they have, uh, they, they are able to locate um, uh, water availability sometimes because they have these tusks, they are able to access water by digging holes. 
which uh, may benefit other wildlife, especially um, in times of a water crisis. So yeah, I mean, in in they create jungles, so uh, they are quite crucial piece of this ecosystem which we cannot avoid. And of course, they are um, revered also as uh, the Hindu god Ganesha. So there is ecological importance, there is cultural importance, there is the political inclination should be there because as I said, it's not just um, uh, the matter of wildlife conservation here. Um, it's a big um, issue, the human elephant conflict, which is there. So it's important from all angles, I feel. How exactly do you identify a wildlife and elephant corridor? Um, so like I said before, there are... Um, Earlier, we know when uh, the forest the forests used to be contiguous, then because of certain reasons uh, of agriculture expansion or anthropogenic factors, some of these um, uh, habitats are now uh, joined by certain narrow patches, narrow forest patches, which were earlier connected. Um, but uh, so these patches, which are still there, these uh, are actually the wildlife corridor, the conduits. But sometimes there's a misconception, especially when it comes to elephant corridors, are that any route elephants take uh, is a corridor, which is not, which is what we try and explain uh, in any of our discussions with the different kinds of stakeholders we do, is that a corridor has to lead from habitat A to habitat B. It cannot lead from, say, A to nowhere or nowhere to nowhere. So... Corridors have to connect to larger viable habitats uh, through which the wildlife, they have to keep moving. And um, uh, there are, um, of course, there are many routes, like I was telling you, which are not corridors. So it's very important to understand what is a corridor and what is not a corridor, especially in today's conservation scenario. And like I was telling you, elephants, they are nomadic. They have to keep moving. Now, they've been moving across these passages when they have to get out of one habitat and move to another habitat, they have to use these smaller passages that connect these habitats. And that's what we call the elephant corridors. And they're crucial. Sorry, just to answer you another question. Why they're crucial is because then uh, the uh, elephants have to keep moving so that there is no uh, inbreeding depression, so that there is a continuous gene flow which happens between populations. Uh, elephant corridors are also very important conduits uh, for other wildlife as well, like I was telling you, especially in terms of uh, a wildlife emergency or a climatic emergency also. Just to give you an example, quick example, there are uh, elephant corridors which we have identified between Kaziranga National Park in Assam with the Karbi Anglong Hills, which are just adjacent to the Kaziranga. So there are five, six elephant corridors which connect Kaziranga with Karbi Anglong Hills. Now, through all these five, six elephant corridors, there's a national highway which passes. And every year, Kaziranga gets inundated uh, with the annual floods which are there. That's, that's very important for the park, for its sustenance. But what happens is those corridors, not if they were not there, then those animals, all the wildlife, rhinos, um, leopards, tigers, elephants would have become stranded. Now, because those corridors are still there, they are able to move from Kaziranga further to Karbi Anglong Hills to take shelter when Kaziranga gets flooded. So, it's it's not just important for um, elephants, but for other wildlife also to uh, to for to escape all these um, natural calamities as well as to sustain themselves.
Where exactly is India's 101 elephant corridors spread out? So the uh, identification which we did as per the right of passage, these 101 elephant corridors are across 11 states of the country uh, with uh, the highest number of corridors being in southern India, uh, 28 of them in Kerala, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu followed by 25 in Central India, uh, that is Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand, Odisha, um, 23 in Northeast India, Meghalaya, Assam, and Arunachal Pradesh, 14 of them in uh, Northwestern Bengal, and um, 11 in Uttarakhand, and one interstate between UP and Uttarakhand. But that this is, this is uh, from the 2017 publication I'm saying, we, as I said, the landscapes are evolving and we are also continuously revisiting these uh, corridors again. And also we have started surveying uh, or, or finding out more information about potential uh, patches which could be corridors in the future also. So this number may increase in the future and we may have more states actually. For example, in Madhya Pradesh, elephants have started coming since 2018. So there may be new corridors which have um, uh, formed between Madhya Pradesh and Chhattisgarh also. Yeah. So what are some of the main threats to elephant corridors and what legal protection do these corridors receive? So um, see, the, when we talk about elephant corridors, uh, when especially when we say right of passage to elephants, the word itself says that there is a threat to the right of passage of elephants. Now, these threats are of different kinds. It could be a physical threat in terms of something actually coming up in their corridor, blocking their way in terms of settlements, agriculture expansion, industrial development, linear infrastructure like uh, highways, railways, irrigation canals, power lines, mines, dams, you know, all sorts of things we could possibly imagine. And the second kind of threats to its passage is the perception of people. So when elephants try to move from point A to point B, what are the kind of reactions or retaliation people have towards them is also their threat. Right. So when we talk about a, a healthy corridor, a healthy corridor is something which is both structurally as well as functionally connective connective so it there are of course structural connectivity means that there is enough forest cover there is connectivity between two habitats functional is if at all these wildlife are able to use that which is what the second point which i mentioned uh, also affects that a lot and elephant corridors uh, as of now are not legally protected because there are no um, specific um, legal protection given to elephant corridors in the country yet just as an entity that is but there are places where um, they have been brought under certain other regulations like be it the uh, environment protection act some some aspects of it or forest conservation act but they're not legally protected as an entity in themselves and precisely why a lot of these threats you know um, are able to expand in their in those elephant corridors. So, and it's not that protection has not reached uh, these corridors. Uh, they are there are a lot of complications also. As I was telling you, there are towns and cities and large villages. So, 
it's very complicated to manage this mosaic landscape which is why sometimes when you with, without you know choosing one species over another they complicated conserving elephants then it's or rather different than conserving any other species because and uh, yeah it's uh, some of them have been brought under regulations but in itself the elephant corridors don't uh, have much of a legal connotation right now and same with elephant reserves i mean these are all uh, mix of there are protected areas national parks and human used areas so it's it's kind of complicated but um, of course there are other ways which uh, probably we could also i, I probably your uh, must have read in our right of passage um, uh, about the right of passage project also which we are using to protect elephants and their right of passage talk about the four different approaches which wti uses to secure and protect elephant corridors around india so you know when uh, i was as i was telling you in 2005 when we uh, published the first edition of right of passage we actually kind of uh, thought that okay just just identifying and recommending what needs to be done for these corridors was not enough we had to Uh, come up with approaches and implement approaches or show um models which could actually be used uh, for securing safe passages for elephants in the country now when we talk about securing corridors it's not necessarily um giving them a legal protection so legal protection of course is something which is going on for many years the contemplation of it the uh planning for it but as i was telling you uh, earlier this is quite a complicated process so we kind of brainstormed as to what kind of approaches could be there to protect these corridors um or defense passage through these corridors um so yeah we have developed around four approaches now the first one is the private purchase model where we have actually worked with Um, some uh, we've actually shown some very good examples of how this can be done in some parts which i'll come to uh, come to later a bit later so this model actually entails um a, a kind of working relationship with the governments which we are working with and wherever there are crucial land parcels within a corridor which could be purchased um there we have purchased uh, these uh, crucial lands and we have also facilitated uh, voluntary relocation in some places as one of the approaches just to free up that crucial patch of land for elephants and also give a better um, try and give a better life to the people who were living within that corridor and facing conflict on a daily basis um so that's one of the model the private purchase, private purchase model where we have purchased a crucial piece of land and given it to the forest department later so that they can include it as part of a protected area so not necessarily declare an elephant corridor under any legal ambit but use that patch of land to include it in a nearby wildlife sanctuary or a national park the second model is your government acquisition model where it's the same thing uh, of purchasing crucial parcels of land within a corridor but here uh, as the organization wti we assist the forest department by mediating between the authorities and locals settled in the corridor so the we just provide soft 
uh, assistance or technical assistance to the government while the acquisition process is completely done by the government. The third approach is something we have successfully implemented in Northeast part of India is the community securement model where we are working with uh, a couple of indigenous tribes and we are actually, uh, it's it, those have also been quite long-term projects, especially the one in Meghalaya um, um, over 20 years now. So we are working with the communities to motivate them to set aside land because there, there's no purchase involved. Nobody from outside can come and purchase land because the land belongs to the community as a whole. So we work, we work with them. We establish a benefit, a benefit sharing, a bilateral benefit sharing model with them, where they agree to set aside some land to ensure safe passage for wildlife, and in return we, you know, kind of provide them some um, support towards their livelihoods or uh, for their lifestyle enhancement or capacity building. So it's a fully community-based protection model. Um, and the fourth approach is something, uh, so all these three approaches which I talked about actually um, had an aspect of setting aside land, whether through land purchase or through uh, motivating the community to keep aside some land. Now, the fourth approach is the public securement model. This is something which we've been focusing on quite uh, intensively in the last four or five years, is where you mobilize public and political will to secure safe passage of elephants through these corridors. So there are policy interventions which we are focusing on, public campaigns, establishing conservation networks and spot interventions. So this doesn't involve setting aside land necessarily, but to mobilize will of people to, because ultimately this whole uh, project is about taking the cause to the people, as we say, taking gaja to the praja. Uh, so both have to be looked at together. So now using a mix of these approaches, our project has been able to spread the conservation work across uh, at least half of the corridors now, 50, 50 to 60 of the 101 identified corridors and with the plans to expand to the other, co other corridors also in due course of time. Yeah. Talk about some of the most successful elephant corridor securement projects which WTI has been involved with? Yeah, so uh, as I was telling you about these four approaches, uh, some of our, one of the most, uh, one of the success stories of our uh, private purchase model is also something which we have documented in a publication two years back, uh, that is Safe Passage, Safe Habitation where we have secured a crucial uh, elephant corridor in Wayanad, Kerala. This was a corridor which actually is a lifeline for close to 6,000 elephants in that Brahmagiri uh, uh, Wayanad landscape. And there were 37 families uh, which were residing within a corridor. So we actually, this was a project which took close to 10 to 15 years. We started negotiating with the families. We started with establishing a relationship with them and uh, all 37 families they agreed to uh, relocate voluntarily completely voluntarily to another safer site which was not in the middle of elephant corridors and also which kind of gave them a better place which was safer from the conflicts which they were facing so 
with each and every family we had a consultative regular discussion and we also provided them with um, um, better settlements to move to bigger houses each family was given uh, agriculture land which was completely based on their requirements better sanitation facilities the new place was closer to um, education facilities health facilities uh, road facilities uh, were were improved and so we still continue and the land which was secured around 26 acres of it was handed over to the forest department and in a gazette notification in 2015 it got included as part of the wayanad wildlife sanctuary also so this was a model which was not just a win win for elephants but for people also because we still to date continue monitoring the corridor uh, it's 2023 now we started in 2005 this project we continue to monitor the last relocation finished in 2011 we continue to monitor to see how elephants and other wildlife we have excellent videos camera trap videos of tigers uh, and elephants using those same lands which were earlier um, uh, occupied by people and we also continue to monitor the income of people how they are doing general well being we have a sociologist in place who is still continuing it so that's one of our success stories of the private purchase model and um, i was i was telling you about this uh, project community based project we are implementing in meghalaya in garo hills of meghalaya for over 20 years now um there also we have had some long term relationship with the local autonomous district council which are there the interesting thing about this northeast india especially this landscape where we are working is close to 93% of the forests are managed by the communities and not by the state government so it's the community who are the stewards of conservation there so with them we have actually worked to um, secure 4500 hectares of community forest as uh, villages of forest so there they entered into an agreement with the local district council uh, with some clauses that they 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 agree to not change the land use they agree not to change not to do any agriculture and to keep this passage uh, free for elephants and other wildlife hulog uh, gibbons are also uh, one of the flagship species there so this is actually not just protecting corridors but overall improving uh, forest connectivity and forest habitat increasing their area as well we have a very strong network of collaboration uh, with uh, a lot of local ngos local community based organizations under the fourth model which is the private uh, public securement model which is there which we call as the green corridor champions so we have collaborated with a lot of these ngos across 50 of these odd corridors now where, where we are working as with a holistic approach with the same vision to provide safe passage for our elephants and of course the um, gadgets of campaign which we are implementing since 2018 is something which is uh, which actually reaches all kinds of stakeholders one could possibly imagine whoever has a stake in um, protecting or taking decisions for these elephant corridors that campaign has also um, uh, you know um, what do i say picked up in the last few years picked up pace in the last few years where we are able to reach different stakeholders whether it's linear infrastructure agencies media uh, judiciary 
um, local community based organization children youth politicians and try to bring them all together for this one common cause of uh, giving safe passage to elephants so these are some of the um, models which we are trying and uh, establishing so that this could be picked up or replicated by people who want to do something for um, elephant corridors and their safe passage could you also elaborate a bit on the central india tiger corridor project which wti is also involves with uh yeah so the this project actually was now we have a whole landscape um uh, based project earlier i think in the we were fo mainly focusing in the vidarbha region which is in maharashtra so we worked there for the last 10 to 12 years uh, in this uh, corridor which connects nagzira wildlife sanctuary to uh, navegao wildlife sanctuary there is a nagzira navegao tiger corridor which is there we have primarily been working on this uh, corridor in the last 10 12 years and with the uh, with the aim to facilitate movement of tigers of course through this corridor and uh, we worked extensively with the communities there uh, to try and reduce their dependency on the forest producers um, give them some alternative uh ways of energy for example we provided some improved cook stoves there so that their um household consumption of fuel would uh could possibly decrease we've established self help groups with the communities there established a market for some of their products which they make using uh the ntfps there like mahua or you know other kinds of uh things which are their pickles and jams which they could sell to and establish a market there uh, we worked extensively on conflict mitigation aspects where we had a, a response teams there who could actually work uh, with the communities uh, whenever there's a conflict situation when a tiger or a leopard comes out in the village while crossing through the corridor it's primarily of key importance to control the crowd so that there are less casualties so we worked with we had a whole team and uh, you know work with communities to do that um now we are still moving uh, in that uh, direction now a lot of lot of uh, successes have actually happened in that particular aspects we've also included another new landscape in the central india tiger corridor project which is between bandhavgarh tiger reserve and um, sanjay tiger reserve in madhya pradesh so these two are uh, a major tiger source which connects to guru ghasidas national park in chatisgarh and these uh, habitats are also connected by corridors um which are not protected and hence the tigers dispersing through these corridors are vulnerable to a lot of threats um including poaching so protection of these dispersing tigers both uh, uh, across the nagzira navegao corridor and the bandhavgarh and sanjay dubri corridor in mp and the other one in maharashtra has been the main aim of these projects and uh, the idea is to try and enhance connectivity through improved management by forest department uh, try and work with the department to integrate some of the conservation recommendations specific to these corridors in their plans mobilize support from the community empower them to partake in participatory actions to reduce forest dependency or you know have a uh set up where they can actually be primary responders to any conflict situation and 
to prevent casualties because now in Madhya Pradesh where we are working, uh, Bandhavgarh, Sanjay, Dubri landscape, there are not just tigers, the elephants are also uh, elephants are also there. So we are also empowering, training these people on how they can be the uh, conservation stewards at their own level. And also uh, working with uh, the department to forest department to see if there could be better enforcement actions to deal with wildlife crime matters, especially with regard to tiger conservation. So that's just uh, the project in a nutshell. So how can individuals contribute to the work being done by WTI on elephant corridors? So there are actually, as I was telling you, this is a project which is um, which is uh, which anyone can contribute to because just the fact that elephant corridors have so many stakeholders, so many people who may have a stake in this to play. So whenever we, you know, since we involve, engage uh, with a lot of different kinds of stakeholders, um, there are there are many things which uh, each one of uh, each one of them can do at their own end. For example, if if you are a celebrity or a public figure, you could probably um, spread a message to your followers, people who you can influence. Talk about this whole concept of elephant corridors and um, make people aware of why it's important. If you are somebody from an NGO or a community-based organization, we are, we will be happy to you know partner with you under our Green Corridor Champion Initiative. If you are located in any of the elephant corridor landscapes, uh, we'll be happy to partner with your NGO and work together to uh, protect a particular corridor. If uh, you're from a government agency or uh, any department or institution, university, you could, uh, if you have the power, you could actually, um, if you're a decision maker, you could actually help um, work with us to remove um, some hindrance to the elephants or prepare a mitigation plan for um, a particular corridor, host conservation solution forums, especially for universities, uh, they can actually host conservation solution forums where we can try and bring together these different stakeholders who otherwise don't, uh, a lot of these different agencies may not uh, discuss with each other on a regular basis as is important, but we can do that to bring all the, all of them together and have a joint dialogue on how uh, we can protect and uh, secure these corridors. And um, um, if if you're an artist, we actually involve a lot of artists in our project. Uh, you could create elephant art pieces for us. We make these um, life-sized elephant art pieces uh, using different kinds of materials, either fiberglass or any other bamboo or any other natural products which are there, uh, which may showcase the cultural heritage of the state you belong to. Uh, we'll be happy to uh, you know, work with you to create these art pieces and uh, install them at prominent pieces with the message of um, secure, secure, safe passage for uh, elephants. And uh, if you're a policymaker, then you could definitely try and include elephant conservation in your manifesto or give a speech or a particular statement which may help uh, elephant conservation or organize technical awareness workshops in your uh, sessions. Media, of course, plays a very big role. If media, if you're from the media, you can try and host a workshop to sensitize members of the media fraternity because many times uh, the uh, image of elephants in the media 
is not very positive. Uh, the blame is put on the elephants if you see a lot of these headlines. So media can actually uh, influence a lot and can do a lot, especially um, in these particular uh, scenario. Um, what else? If you're a donor, if you're from any corporates, and of course, uh, help um, uh, support our uh, project through your CSR initiative. And uh, if you are a student, of course, uh, if you're a teacher of a school or a student, then you can definitely host sessions, um, celebrate Elephant Day in your schools where you can take a theme of rite of passage for elephants and do things. We have many resource material available on our website, which is uh, downloadable for free. So you can use those particular packages to uh, create some awareness programs in your respective schools and colleges. What have been some of the most prominent challenges you have faced both as part of this project and in your personal conservation career? See, my uh, conservation career has primarily been uh, in WTI, but nevertheless, in general, what I have seen is uh, one of the challenges which I have faced is to convince people to see the bigger picture especially when we go and talk to um, different stakeholders. It takes a lot of time sometimes to convince communities, uh, like I was telling, especially in land projects. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fine balance you have to strike. Imagine me living in a place for uh, 30, 40 years and somebody's come to me and requesting me to please give some of my land for elephants. So it's always a challenge you know, to help people see the bigger picture, to convince governments, to convince communities, to convince different stakeholders. There is a challenge of starting over and over because governments change, uh, new officers uh, which you have built a relationship with, they get transferred. So, and these are the kind of overall challenges. And of course, there are challenges I wouldn't call it a challenge because that's something I signed up for, you know, staying in a remote place when we go to a field or um, with minimal resources. So I wouldn't call that a challenge. But most of the challenges are um, most of the challenges are convincing people and dealing with people, I feel. Yeah. So what have been some of, some of your most memorable moments from your conservation career? Um, one of the most Memorable, of course, is when I start when I was starting out. I uh, started out with a project uh, before I joined WTI. Actually, I started out with a project in Kabini in Nagaroli National Park, where I was a research assistant in um, with T Dr. T N C Vidya's lab. So we used to go to this field every day for twelve hours, and you know, just watch elephants, um, just watch elephants, note down their behavior. And I think that was, I have a lot of memorable moments. I can't just pinpoint one of that. So the, that was one memorable moment, you know, those just that, that, that time spent in field where just observing elephants and noting them down, watching everything. That's how I actually learned about uh, how they behave, how their societies function because of uh, that, uh, those observations. Uh, I'm very happy when I get to interact with uh, different communities. I have some of the most memorable moments spending time with um, uh, communities, especially in the Northeast India, the Garo tribe, the um, uh, Adi tribe of Arunachal. 
I have had some of my most memorable moments with them where we just, um, I mean, of course, they are our stakeholders, but it's just when all of us are together, we are celebrating some local festival, which is there in their village, or eating together, staying together. Those actually help build a lot of relationships. And those are the memories you carry with you. And then that's the motivation you get to do something for them. Because even though we are in wildlife conservation field, it's not just about wildlife. It's about people as much as it is about wildlife. So and those are the moments which I always cherish, you know, being uh, with the communities. I think that's that's what I like the most. Yeah. So that was the final question I had for you today. Thank yeah. you so much for taking time out for this. Thank you. Thank you, Anish. It was a pleasure talking to you. And just revisiting some of these things, which I usually don't talk about, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing.